If you don't have direct authority over someone and maybe they don't feel obligated to listen to you, the way to get them to um, listen to you as a leader is you have to sell them on you and your ideas. So they need to understand why it's a good idea to follow you or help you out, even if they don't have to. That's the voice of Erica Hirsch. Erica is a freelance writer. Once in a while, Erica writes for the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. In November of 2015, Erica penned an article for Harvard entitled, Leading Outside Your Authority. When you think of leadership, your mind probably goes to the traditional boss-subordinate model, where the leader is guiding the work of those they have direct authority over. In that paradigm, power and influence stems from authority. And since this is the model we're most familiar with, we've come to associate the two concepts and often use them interchangeably. But leadership, as it turns out, is not the same as authority. And if you listen to Erica, you might find that you don't need that title in order to be a leader after all. I'm Kathy Bowers, and you're listening to The Objective Lens. Erica has a Master's of Science degree in Health Communication from Tufts University, is an avid crossword puzzler, and once, wait for it, a contestant on Jeopardy. The Jeopardy thing isn't technically relevant to this episode, I just thought it was slightly awesome. In fact, with just a little Googling, you can find a video where a former college Jeopardy champion actually analyzes Erica's final Jeopardy wagering strategy. You can't make this up. I had the opportunity to chat with Erica over the phone from her home in Boston, Massachusetts. She shared with me some of the prevailing research on the topic of influence. From her perspective, the process of building influence hinges on one important piece, relationships. It's really all about relationships. Um, You need to build good relationships with people. Now, they say you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar, and it's a cliche, but If you don't have direct authority over someone, um, having them like you and having a working relationship is really a good way to uh, gain, for them to see you as a leader. Think back to the last time you helped out a colleague. Did you help them because you have a strong working relationship or because you considered them a friend? Intentional or not, your relationship with that colleague likely played into your decision as to whether to help them out or not. Erica says that people tend to have an easier time following the ideas of someone they like. That doesn't have to mean a personal friendship, but shared ideals and respect are important factors. Maybe the idea that relationships are important isn't groundbreaking. But proactively developing relationships and the right kind of relationships is often a challenge. One challenge that a lot of people can face is that a lot of people are very focused on their own um, functional, functional silo. So whatever it is their role is in the company, they're very focused on that. But you find that often people outside that silo can be useful for you to work with or people who will be helpful for you to have some sort of um, leadership role over. So 
you want to make sure that you're not solely focused on those maybe who are potentially under you um, in your direct line of work. And another challenge is that um, we all have pretty urgent work matters. Um, you now, like we said, it's about building relationships uh, and networking for leadership, but that's a long-term project and a lot of people might run into um, the pressure to deal with work matters that seem more important at the time than this long-term project of building relationships. One of the keys to developing relationships and building influence is to understand and adapt to the working and social styles of others. Think about all the different personalities and styles you work with on a daily basis in your lab. There are probably quite a few. Some people are big picture thinkers. Others are more about the details. Some are more social. Others more reserved. Some are very visual learners. Others auditory. The point is, you need to recognize and identify the different styles so you can engage with them on their own level. We all tend to respond to people who are like us. So if you want to influence someone, you need to adapt to be more like them and communicate in the most effective manner to them personally. So one really important leadership skill is to be a team player. Um, if you help others, people are more likely to help you out and to respond to your leadership and authority because they know that you would do the same for them, essentially. Often when we talk about influence, the emphasis is on getting other people to do what you want them to do. But as Erica explains, one way to build your influence is by helping others, by giving them influence. Quid pro quo. It's a Latin phrase that translates to this for that. From a certain perspective, there is a certain quid pro quo relationship to the art of influence. By giving others respect and influence, you cultivate the relationships that will give you greater influence. While not an overt exchange, you are giving now so you can receive later. Did you know the phrase quid pro quo has a relationship to medicine at its origin? It's a dubious one at that. In the 1530s, it referred to the switching of medicines, either intentionally or not, from one to another. Often the switch was from a useful medicine to a less than genuine replacement. By the end of the century, the phrase evolved to its more current use, describing an equivalent exchange. There, now you're ready for your own stint on Jeopardy. I'll take building credibility for 400, please, Alex. If you listen to and take an interest in others, um, you follow through on your promises and recognize others for the work that they do, you'll be known as somebody who is a good person to know. And that, um, that will really help if you would like to influence people and people feel that you care about them beyond just whatever you need them for at the time. So that's number one. Another thing you can do is establish your general credibility. So if people don't trust you and the fact that you can do a good job, then they're probably not going to want to work with you. 
and probably won't be influenced by you. So if you can show that you um, have done your research, that you understand your organization beyond just your particular role, um, and that you can be flexible when you need to be, then that will really help people see that you're someone worth listening to because you know what you're talking about. Nobody listens to me. How many times have you heard that sentence uttered in frustration? Implicit in that particular gripe is the expectation that you should be listened to. That expectation, while it might sound fair enough, is part of the problem. You can't expect people to know you and your ideas have value. You have to prove it. Nina Bati has 24 granted patents in imaging, mobile, and web applications. She spent much of her career rising through the ranks of Hewlett-Packard, eventually becoming their chief performance architect. On her way up the corporate ladder at HP, Nina held five different positions. So I'd say Nina knows a thing or two about building credibility. In an interview, Nina discussed building credibility in order to gain influence. She said, quote, When you enter an organization, your first job is to build credibility. I don't think there is anything more important than that. You say what you're going to do, and you do what you say. End quote. She goes on to describe how you have to take on assignments and do them, quote, confidently and enthusiastically, end quote. By doing so, she believes people will learn to trust you and know that you are going to achieve what you say you will do. In her words, you have to, quote, train people that you are good for it, end quote. So if you catch yourself complaining that nobody listens to you, well, pause for a moment and ask yourself, have you given them a good reason to? They say that good work speaks for itself. But if you work hard and expect others to notice you simply based on that, you might not be setting yourself up for success. Lots of people work hard. Lots of people do good work. If you are actively trying to build your influence and become leaderful, you have to do something more. Even if people think that you're doing a great job in whatever it is you were hired to do, if you do want to move to the next level or leadership role, which not everyone does, and that's okay too, but that if that is your goal, then it is helpful to have something that distinguishes you from just doing what you're told to do or what needs to be done. That something more can take a variety of forms. But Erica suggests that it's really important to own something. It doesn't necessarily have to be this big, giant undertaking. It can be taking ownership over planning an event. As an example, this week is National Medical Laboratory Week. You could put your hand up and volunteer to plan the week's celebrations for your lab. Or plan your department's next lunch and learn. Finding these opportunities and then executing them to a high standard will help demonstrate your abilities and leadership skills to others. But if you are feeling more ambitious and want to own something pretty substantial, then I think you should meet Michelle Sykes. Michelle is a member of the CSMLS Board of Directors. Her day job has her shaping the hearts and minds of the next generation of lab professionals. 
She's an educator at Red River College in Manitoba. Michelle is extroverted, but has a somewhat contemplative demeanor. She's usually not the first to speak at meetings, but when she does, it's always passionate, respectful, and thought-provoking. You could mistake her for straight-laced if you miss the striking tattoo running the length of her forearm. I wanted to speak with Michelle because I think she has done exactly what Erica has suggested. She went out and found a project to make her own. A few months before we even started the project, um, I was having a discussion with somebody from a different department, and they're like, come here, come here, come see this. I was like, oh, what am I going to see? I'm all excited. And it was the panorama of the Mars rover. I was like, oh, that looks really cool. That's really interesting. And he looked at me and he said, don't even ask for it. I was like, okay, I won't ask for it. And then I asked for it. So the lesson, I guess, even when you're told no, you might as well ask. The project she's referring to is a 360-degree interactive virtual lab. If you load it up on your smartphone and use it with Samsung's Gear VR or Google Cardboard, you can experience it in full virtual reality. Cool, huh? Michelle was inspired to work on this project because she saw a need, a need that wasn't being addressed. We try to communicate to the public. We say, this is what a medical laboratory professional does, and this is a space that we work in, and this is the vital, important role we serve to the public. But there's nothing to show them. We have very few pictures or videos that really give the general public an idea, a glimpse into our career. So this panorama was to immerse people that have no idea about the laboratory environment or are novice practitioners in the lab, immerse them in it, let them explore it, very low stakes. They can go in, they can look around, they can interact with different components of it. And once you start doing that, you gain a much better perspective about what the laboratory environment is like. It's pretty cool listening to the passion in Michelle's voice as she talks about the project, which was clearly a labor of love. I want to draw a couple parallels between Michelle's experience and Erica's thoughts on becoming more influential. Michelle is an instructor, by all accounts, a very good one, but she isn't the program chair, she doesn't have a fancy title, and her role doesn't give her the authority to be a leader per se but that doesn't stop her from leading this groundbreaking project. The need for this project wasn't identified by senior management. It wasn't conceived of by her boss and then handed down to her to execute. She saw a need and invented a solution. If a student wasn't sure whether they wanted to go into med lab, they could go to the panorama, they could explore it. If we're trying to promote it to the public or other healthcare practitioners, you know, this is what the lab is is kind of like. Um, And this was an exploration of the microbiology lab we have at Red River. Uh, Right now we're working with a clinical partner to try to create a panorama of the clinical space to give a better perspective of what it's like to be within a functioning working laboratory. The virtual lab speaks to potential students on their level. It goes well beyond describing what life in the laboratory is like through traditional media. It engages them in a style and in a medium that is conducive to them. Does that sound familiar? Several months have passed since our conversation, and Michelle has done what she said she'd do. 
she completed the panorama at one of Red River's clinical sites, Westman Lab. It's equally as cool. We'll put links to both panorama projects on our website, podcast.csmls.org. I encourage you to check them out for yourself. It was so much fun. It it was a lot of time and a lot of effort, but the collaboration that we had with ETV and with these clinical partners and with my colleagues to create a project people could explore, it was just, it was amazing to be able to participate in that. Anytime she talks about the project, Michelle is quick to call out her collaborators, the ETV team at Red River a department that uses AV technology to develop and promote innovative teaching, learning, and communication strategies. It's like the AV club on steroids. Michelle gives them much of the credit for the technical innovations and their willingness to forage into the unknown with her. Remember Erica's point about working well with others, making them look good and giving them influence? Michelle's all over that, although I doubt it's a conscious choice. I think it's just in her nature. I'll let Michelle gush for another minute about the intentions behind this project. She sounds really proud of what she and the ETV team have created. And she should be. It's very impressive. And it goes to show what you can accomplish without a big impressive title, without direct authority, if you can just exert a little influence. We want it to be free and easily accessible. That's what we wanted from it. It wasn't about selling a product, creating a product. It was about getting it out there into the public sphere. People could use it for education, and we wanted it to be available. And it's really hard to now assess how many people have used it, but it's growing all the time and into different different professions are able to explore it as well. There is a saying, fake it until you make it. Scientists have found that if you want to lift your mood, you should force yourself to smile. In a 2012 study published in the journal Psychological Science, 169 university students were trained to hold chopsticks in their mouths in order to force a particular facial expression. Why, one might ask? Well, The study sought to investigate the potential benefits of smiling by looking at how different types of smiling and the awareness of smiling affects an individual's ability to recover from episodes of stress. So they were testing this theory of just grin and bear it. The chopsticks come into play because they force people to smile without them being aware that they were doing so. Only half of the group members were actually instructed to smile. Quick aside, Did you know that there are two categories of smiles? Standard smiles use the muscles around the mouth, while genuine or Duchenne smiles engage the muscles surrounding both the mouth and the eyes. So back to the study. The participants were given stressful multitasking activities to complete, such as tracing a star with their non-dominant hand while looking at a reflection of said star in a mirror. The results? The researchers found that the subjects with both the genuine and standard smiles had lower heart rates after performing the task than those with the neutral expression, indicating they were less stressed. On a related note, you've probably seen the 2012 TED Talk by Amy Cuddy, a Harvard Business School social psychologist. It's been viewed over 40 million times. 
In it, Amy shared her findings on how adopting a powerful posture can affect you. In her study, she had subjects adopt either a power stance with their chest and head lifted, arms propped on their hips, or a meeker pose, hunched over with their arms crossed. And they were to hold that for two minutes. The people who maintained power poses showed a decrease in the stress hormone cortisol and an increase in testosterone, a hormone related to dominance and confidence. So science says there is something to the fake it until you make it strategy. And it looks like this may apply to leadership and influence as well. If you present yourself as a leader, others will begin to see you as a leader. Being confident goes a long way in convincing others to follow you, whether or not you have direct authority over them. So if you want to influence people, if you want to be a leader, then just lead. The Objective Lens is written and produced by Michael Grant and myself, Kathy Bowers, and is the official podcast of the Canadian Society for Medical Laboratory Science. Editing and technical assistance by Joel Tresini. Administrative support by Ridmilla Minor. For other episodes, supplemental content, and bonus material, visit our website at podcast.csmls.org. If you're in the medical laboratory field, you'll want to go to the website to find a link to a short quiz. By completing the quiz, you will earn a certificate verifying professional development hours for listening to this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Come chat with us on Twitter, at CSMLS, or on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com slash CSMLS.